Speaking of Travel is sponsored by the Asheville Regional Airport, your local connection to the world. And when you fly home, you're home. Plan your next trip at flyavl.com. Appalachian Realty. If you're looking for a home in Asheville and Western North Carolina, they'll help you find properties as unique as you are. Visit AppalachianRealty.com. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball, and you're listening to Speaking of Travel, right here on News Radio 570 WWNC. Now be sure to visit the Speaking of Travel website. That's speakingoftravel.net. And you can sign up for the Speaking of Travel Travel Club. And we're going to have a lot of and travel tips and some really great travel information going on. So be sure to sign up and visit speakingoftravel.net. And remember, you can always listen to this episode episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on that Speaking of Travel website, speakingoftravel.net, or you can listen anywhere, anytime on the iHeartRadio app. Well, today I am so excited because we're introducing the 2019 Speaking of Travel Climate Listening Project Series with Dana Ruggiero. We'll be talking about how climate change is impacting the places we love to travel, and we'll be inviting experts and travelers to talk about how we can all work together for the places we love. You know, Dana's recent Climate Listening Project photography series, Voices of Hope for Forest features individuals around the world who are all working together to protect our forests as part of the Environmental Paper Network. And Dana's here in the studio today. I'm so excited to have her part of our series this year. Dana Ruggiero, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Marilyn. I'm really excited to be doing this series with you every single month. And this show today is such a great way to kick off the year. The Voices of Hope for Forest series with the Environmental Paper Network showcased people from around the world that are working together. And the Environmental Paper Network is a group of over 140 organizations that are working together on issues around paper to protect our forests and communities. And so I had an opportunity to walk in the forest with individuals from Mozambique, Scotland, Bolivia, uh, all over the world. And today we're going to have three of those individuals join us. And the first one is Josh from the Natural Resources Defense Council, NRDC. Hi, Josh. Hey, guys. Hi, Josh. It's Marilyn here, too. I'm so excited, and I really appreciate you being here, sharing with us your stories with with my audience and Dana. Yeah, and thanks for having me on. Thank you so much. Um, I really loved the quote that you provided. So the Voices of Hope for Forest series is a photo series and a quote series that really showed, you know, why we should still have hope today. What inspires you all to continue fighting? What, what keeps you going in this climate crisis? So I'd love to ask you a little bit more about your work with NRDC. Could you tell us about what you do? Um, sure. I'm part of uh, NRDC's Canada project, and we're a relatively small team of about 
eight to ten people um, and we uh, our big priority campaign right now is focused on the Canadian boreal forest which is um, a huge uh, stretch of forest just below the Arctic Circle um, that contains about 25% of the world's remaining intact forest meaning forest huge um, undisturbed areas of forest basically a lot like wilderness um, and uh, it is home you know to many uh, threatened species, species that are only found there. It's the nursery for all of North America's songbirds, up to three billion birds that migrate all over North America. Uh, so it's a really critical resource, and it's also a huge um, carbon storehouse. It keeps a lot of carbon out of the atmosphere, and so um, protecting it is really critical if we're going to have any chance of mitigating climate change. Um, and so we're, our, our work is, is focused on kind of the threats and, and impacts of human activity in, in that forest, a lot of which have to do with logging, and in the logging context, a lot of that logging, unfortunately, um, goes to create disposable products like um, toilet paper, facial tissue, and paper towels. Oh, my goodness. How can people, individuals that are listening, how can they do better or do more to use less paper to, or, you know, just to to help these forests? Yeah, uh, (laughs) it's a great question. I mean, it's one of these things where the problem is very big and individual actions seem kind of small, but there's two big things. One on, you know, from a consumer level is try to understand what the products are that you're buying. So most tissue products, and I'm, that includes all the three, all three things I mentioned, um, in, that are available in the United States are made from virgin forest fiber. Um, that means they're made from living trees that are cut down and turned into paper products. Um, now, it doesn't all come from Canada. Uh, a lot of it comes from the U.S. Southeast, too, um, and, and other places in the world, but those are kind of the two big sources. Um, so the, the big thing to, to look for is Use recycled content if you can, if your store offers it, and I realize that many stores don't or they offer very few options, uh, buy a product that is made from 100% or X percent recycled content, especially tissue products because they just get flushed down the toilet or put in the trash. Um, And then if that's not an option, look for something that has been uh, certified by the Forest Stewardship Council, which is better known as FSC. Um, That's kind of the best assurance you have that at least uh, the product is coming from a sustainably managed forest. Um, So so that's really a consumer education piece. The other thing is advocate to governments. This, you know, the things, the reason a lot of these problems exist is that governments are not holding their industries to account or pressuring their industries to, to find alternative solutions to using trees to make toilet paper. We can do better. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Alex, let me, uh, Josh Axelrod, <laughs> let me ask you this. In regard to, you know, all these beautiful trees and, and being able to maintain the the forest, talk a little bit about the implications for people who are traveling. Sure. I mean, you know, the Canadian boreal forest is extraordinary. It's some people call it the Amazon of the North. It's it's a it's not the easiest place to access. It's very far away. Um, you know, I've my brief dabbling in actually going up there has 
involved you know, a 10 hour drive north of Montreal and I was kind of at the southern edge of the, the wild part of the boreal um, a lot of the forest between Montreal and where I was is boreal forest, but kind of the the vast un you know untrammeled areas are way up there. Um, if you can get there, it's unbelievable. I mean, you won't be in a bigger forest anywhere else on the planet, and it is just trees and rivers and lakes and wetlands as far as the eye can see. So it's really a, really an astonishing um, place to go, and uh, yeah. And one thing, you know, in protecting the forest is, you know, you're doing important work to protect local communities there, right? Native communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a very good point. The, so the Canadian boreal forest is pretty unique also globally in this respect. There's, a, there's about 600 um, First Nation communities who call the boreal forest home in Canada, um, many of whom... Know, still live in their traditional territories, um, still carry out a largely traditional lifestyle in terms of you know, hunting and trapping. A lot of um, the communities we work with um, you know, spend several weeks out on the land um, a year hunting and trapping the food that they're going to eat for the rest of the year. And, you know, as, as, uh, the, the sad thing is that as... Um, their forests are degraded or cut down. They have to stop doing a lot of that, or or those those resources that they're getting from the land become a lot more sparse, and it, it forces all kinds of changes in lifestyle and traditional practices and cultural changes, and also health changes because they start eating, you know, processed foods because they can no longer get the food that they're kind of that they've adapted to um, eating for millennia, and now they're eating you know more a more traditional Western diet, and it has a lot of unfortunate health impacts on those communities. Well, I really appreciate the work that you're doing and the work of NRDC. NRDC was actually my first climate listening project partner five years ago. I can't believe it's been five years. Um, But I want everybody to go to the Environmental Paper Network on Facebook, see your photo, see your quote, be inspired by you. And Josh, how can people find your information? Yeah, if you just look up... uh, NRDC and my name, Josh Axelrod, you'll go to my little expert blog page and and, uh, there I am. (laughs) Perfect. You are an inspiration for so many and I am very grateful to you for participating in the Voices for Hope for Forest series and also for all that you do. Thank you so much. And thank you also from speaking of travel, Josh, and keep doing the work that you're doing and we'll be right behind you. I am planning on getting 100% recycled paper starting today. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Thank you too. And yeah, tell all your friends too. (laughs) We will. We've got to create the demand to get the get those products on the shelf. And we're so, exactly. All right. Thanks, Josh. All right. Take care. You too. This is Tina Kinsey with Asheville Regional Airport, and I have a travel tip for you today. Are you traveling overseas? Are you visiting a third world country? It is very important to research your potential need for pre-travel health care, which can include special vaccinations or oral medications to prevent illness. 
there are many provider options for pre-travel health care. If you're traveling to a country with health risks similar to those in the United States, it's a good practice to see your family health care provider to consult about risks and preventive measures that can be taken. Local health departments also sometimes provide travel vaccinations or know which providers in your area give this type of pre-travel care. However, you may need to see a more specific provider, especially if you are visiting a country or several countries with specific health risks, or if you have a pre-existing health condition. Take the initiative and talk to your doctor before embarking on big adventures. Of specific note, if your travel plans include visiting countries where yellow fever vaccination is recommended or required, you will need to visit an authorized U.S. yellow fever vaccine center. Thanks for listening to this tip from Asheville Regional Airport. When you fly home, you're home. Any real estate company's success is a reflection of its attention and care provided to its clients. Appalachian Realty Associates are proven to have the best agents around. And if you're looking for a place in Asheville and Western North Carolina, they'll help you find properties as unique as you are. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see. What spring is like. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm so excited today. We're introducing the 2019 Speaking of Travel Listening Project series with Dana Ruggiero. We were just talking with Joshua Axelrod from the Natural Resources Defense Council. That would be the NRDC. And Dana's here in the studio. Dana, who do we have up next to talk about travel, climate change, and the implications for all of us. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have Beth Porter on the show. She is from Green America, and she also has a new book out. I was so inspired by Beth's quote in the Voices of Hope for Forest series that we just released with the Climate Listening Project and Environmental Paper Network. Beth, welcome! Hi, thank you so much. Hi, Beth. It's Marilyn Ball. I'm so happy to have you on the show today and look forward to talking to you. Same here. Thank you, Marilyn. You bet. So, Beth, would you first, we got to just be, we're so excited about this, but would you tell us about your new book? Absolutely. Yeah. So the book is called Reduce, Reuse, Reimagine. Um, and it's made to help us sort out the recycling system. I think that there's a lot of confusion about recycling, uh, especially with individuals and residents who are trying to do the right thing but are regularly told that we're doing recycling wrong. Um, and I wanted to give folks a, kind of a, a larger systemic picture of what recycling does, what the problems are, how they can be fixed, and how we can achieve that through both individual daily acts but also larger systemic change by urging producers to be held accountable um, of the products they make as well and and that sort of thing. So I wanted to provide just a big snapshot of what the recycling in the United States is, uh, what we're on track to do, and how many more environmental and economic benefits we could achieve if we do it well. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for doing that work. You know, I, I'm so inspired by you and by all of the folks that we're having on the show today from Green America, NRDC, and also Greenpeace. Now, what is Green America? 
Green America is a we're a national nonprofit organization. We're based in Washington D.C. and we've been uh, doing this work for about 35 years now. And we're what's called a green economy organization. So we're trying to uh, tackle various aspects of our economy, of which there are many, um, that uh, create a lot of environmental and social problems. Uh, so we use economic action to try and steer that change. Um, so we're not an organization that engages with a whole lot of policy um, and things like that, but we do a lot of work to uh, hold corporations accountable for sustainability commitments that they have uh, released but haven't met. Um, and urging sectors to adopt more responsible practices throughout their supply chain. Um, and that includes work in climate, energy and waste, uh, labor rights as well, um, and even finance. We do a lot of work in helping folks practice socially responsible investing because whether we're saving money, spending money, not spending money, um, that, that's, that has an impact on uh, the society we live in. And so we, we want to help equip folks with the resources and information they need um, to make all of those choices and, and do what's right for them, but also what's right for people on the planet. Oh, my gosh. I love that. You know, I I collaborated with Green America probably almost 10 years ago now. It's so long ago, but I loved how it was a focus on the environment, but also on social justice. And so it's just such important work that you all are doing. Now, I love the Environmental Paper Network because it is 140 organizations around the world that are working together. Now, Green America is such a collaborative network as well. What's it like working in such a collaborative space for solutions? Uh, it's it's really phenomenal. I mean, uh, just in the Green America office, we have folks who are passionate about and experts on so many different issues. There's there's always someone you can can speak with and collaborate with to make sure that uh, the work that we're doing has high integrity and is accurate, um, and also. Uh, you know, helps create change in places where it's needed the most. Um, and being a part of the Environmental Paper Network is like this massive global extension of that because as we are Green America, the work we do is is largely U.S. focused. While a lot of the companies uh, that we work on do have uh, global implications, and obviously the U.S. is um, has global implications in in many of the things we do. Um, but but it was really nice to be a part of the Environmental Paper Network and get that more international, that more global perspective, and hear from uh, people who are working on this issue worldwide um, what they're facing, what the barriers and challenges they're facing, and the successes and the strategies they're using, uh, it's really excellent for offering that global perspective when sometimes in my work I'm, I'm very U.S. focused. That's that's such a great point. Um, you know, I remember when we were walking in the forest and mm-hmm. you talked about you know, all of the different individuals that are a part of that environmental paper network and individuals from Indonesia, Mozambique, Canada, every, you know, all these different countries and how we're often always working on the same issues in different ways at different times. But what, what I want to ask you is, you know, since what we do here, what we do in our individual lives often impacts others around the world, what can we do as, as travelers, as people of the world to protect the places that we love? Mm, that is a really good question. Um, I'm not sure if I'm the best person to answer it expertly, but I will, <laughs> I will say based on just my personal experience, I think um, just knowing that while you, while we are, I guess, 
you know, quote unquote, citizens of the world, like we, you know, want to go and learn um, from other people and other cultures, I guess, just keeping in mind that we're, we're also guests in those areas and those parts of the world and, and not to prescribe solutions or ideas or uh, processes that um, maybe we would use uh, here in our uh, home, <laughs> home country um, to other parts of the world because there are complexities, there are systems at work uh, that we don't fully understand by being a visitor in these other parts of the world and especially the environmental challenges they're facing. Um, and so I think just... I mean, really emphasizing the listening, right, and and learning from people, understanding more, and asking um, from a place of curiosity, I think, is is really important in helping us uh, get outside of our own uh, limited perspective, because we can know a lot about what's going on in the United States, but um, when you look at that bigger picture, uh, you know, there's just still so much information out there that we, we aren't aware of, and so just being eager, soaking it up like a sponge, I think, is great, and... Um, and of course, as we're traveling, uh, trying to reduce impact on the planet as well, uh, just for some more, you know, uh, tools and tips, I guess, <laughs> like taking your own reusable water bottle um, to places where you'll have access to water, uh, trying to take reusable utensils, you know, thinking about the impact that you're making on the planet while you're traveling um, in preparation for that travel, things that you might need, disposable things that you can replace with reusable items that you bring from home, um, just making sure that that would, would work with your travels, I think, are just some, some good ways to make sure you're being conscious of your individual impact while you're really having these very valuable, enriching experiences um, learning and talking to people from all over. Oh, Beth, you are so inspiring. Uh, I, I, I mean, I feel the same way. Oh <laughs> Dana, Beth, you're wonderful. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. Beth, how can people first, how can they find your book? How can they get your book? And then also, how can they learn more about your work with Green America? Oh, absolutely. So the book, um, I know it's available at numerous public libraries, uh, so that's a great place to start. Um, it's You can also order it through your local bookstore if they don't have it on their shelf. Uh, and it is available all the typical places online that you might find books. Uh, there's also an audio book on Audible. Uh, if that's if that's your preference, um, and there are ebooks, so it's it's available wherever books are sold. <laughs> pretty much. Um, and you can learn more about our work at Green America at greenamerica.org. And you can find us on social media on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we've got so much exciting, interesting work going on in different sectors. So I think we'll really be able to. Um, help share some information based on whatever you're interested in. So yeah, please thank check us you. out. Oh, thank you so much. I encourage you all to check out Beth's photo and quote as part of the Voices of Hope for Forest series with the Climate Listening Project and Environmental Paper Network and get her book. Thank you, Beth. Beth, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you, Marilyn. Oh, you bet. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing. You you inspire us and we're going to go march forward and, and become a much bigger movement. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. Yes, it takes it takes all of us. It you know, does all indeed. <laughs> all right, Beth, thank you. And Dana, we'll be back. Thank you.
Douglas MacArthur once said, The soldier above all others prays for peace, for it is a soldier who must suffer and bear the deepest wounds and scars of war. Since 2006, Blue Ridge Honor Flight, a nonprofit organization, has been transporting veterans from World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War to Washington, D.C. to visit the memorials dedicated to their honor and sacrifice. On May 4th, 2019, they'll be flying again, giving those who have served our country a chance to experience the hope, healing, and welcome home they so deserve. For more information on how you can help or send a veteran to D.C., visit BlueRidgeHonorFlight.com. With 50 flights every day to and from cities like Atlanta, Charlotte, and Chicago, you can fly to hundreds of worldwide destinations with one easy connection. Choose Allegiant, American, Delta, Elite, or United right here from Asheville Regional Airport. And when you fly home, you're home. Asheville Regional Airport. Take the easy way out. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on it's top of the third and time to catch up with Doc Lawrence as he continues his journey down the Gourmet Highway. And today we find Doc in the beautiful city of Aiken, South Carolina. Hey, Doc, you know, I've been wanting to spend a weekend in this horse country town. Why don't you fill us in? Hello, Marilyn. You'll never guess where I am today. I didn't plan to be here in Aiken, South Carolina, but I am, and the timing couldn't be better. Clemson University, just right up the road, just won the National Collegiate Football Championship, and its connection with this beautiful town of Aiken is profound, because this is the home of the immortal, the incredible, the refrigerator, our friend, everybody's friend, William Perry. William is a native of this city, a hero here, and certainly a hero to Doc, and he won the first championship as a member of Clemson's team ever, and went on to play for the Chicago Bears, scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl for Mike Ditka, and is reported to have the largest ring ever made at size 25 for a Super Bowl ring. But a big shout out with more love for William Perry and Clemson. This is a big moment here in Aiken, South Carolina. But you know, Maryland, this great city is a lot more like Kentucky than it is the Deep South. This is thoroughbred horse country. Yes, they breed them here, they raise them here, they train them here, and you'll see their champions racing in the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness and the Belmont and all over the country and the world. There are horses everywhere. This is a place where very wealthy Northerners with names like Vanderbilt, Astor, Whitney would come and play during the winter. And that's kind of why I'm here. 
This is a good place to play and enjoy yourself. There's only one place, however, Doc's going to stay, and that's where Franklin Roosevelt and Winston Churchill and many, many others stayed, and that is the fabulous Wilcox. There is nothing like it outside of the breakers in Palm Beach. This is opulence. This is old wood. This is brass polished. This is crystal. And yes, it's romantic history that oozes here. This is where Franklin Roosevelt and Winston Churchill met, sat out on the porch, had some martinis and shared some laughter. They tell me in whispers here that Franklin Roosevelt would often meet his lady friend, Lucy Mercer here. And the rest is up to your imagination, but my memory loves them both. Here is the rich and famous side-by-side with locals, and you can't tell the difference. Class begets class, and that's what Aiken is. You know, one of the great things about Aiken, Maryland, is all the legends. At one time, the Hope Diamond, believe it or not, was housed here. There was a nice lady here that owned it, Miss Evelyn Walsh McLean. She had it wrapped up in her stockings. It was in her bedroom in a dresser drawer, and she kept it there until her death. And of course, it's long gone now, but the legend is still around. And who knows, I may go out on a diamond hunt later in the day and see if I can find its counterpart. With Maryland, I get wound up here and I get carried away. You can't help it. The opulence, the natural beauty of Hickok Woods, so many places here to walk, to shop, to drink, to relax, to make new friends. And that's what the South's all about. And that's what the Gourmet Highway's all about. But you know now, I think I need to go change clothes, get ready for dinner tonight, and of course, the dining room and the Wilcox, and I'll sit down and order some quail, shrimp and grits, a bottle of good champagne, and maybe pretend for a couple of hours that I'm some sort of kin to Winston Churchill. So, I guess it's goodbye for now, Marilyn, and I hate to leave this lovely town of Aiken, South Carolina, but old Doc's got to get out and hit the road, so... For Maryland Ball, speaking of travel, this is Doc Lawrence on the Gourmet Highway from Aiken, South Carolina, saying I hope to see you soon in your hometown. Thanks, Doc. It really sounds like there's something new to discover in Aiken, South Carolina all the time. Well, we'll talk to you next week. You travel slowly, my friend. And remember, you can follow Doc Lawrence's journey on the Gourmet Highway by visiting thegourmethighway.com. Well, as you're traveling down the Gourmet Highway, or you're traveling anywhere for that matter, it's good to be thinking about how can you leave a smaller footprint. And here, talking with us today, we're excited. It's the Travel, Speaking of Travel, Climate Listening Project series with Dana Ruggiero. Dana's in the studio with me today. And Dana, we've had some really awesome guests this morning. I am so excited to be doing this Climate Listening Project, Speaking of Travel series with you every single month in 2019, Marilyn. We're starting a movement here because there's so much information that we can provide and bringing in the resources you have to bring uh, just a broader awareness of how we as travelers, whether we're traveling to Aiken, South Carolina, or traveling to Egypt, can leave a smaller footprint, can be mindful of how we use product and 
especially this uh, episode talking about paper, you know, I think we're we've heard this whole, uh, you know, what's becoming quite mainstream now with the straws. But there's so, it's so complex. Let's talk about that a little bit. Sure. You know, I I just did a series called Voices of Hope for the Forest with the Environmental Paper Network, which is 140 organizations around the world that are working together towards a global paper vision. And today on the show, we have guests from NRDC, Greenpeace, and Green America that are all providing, you know, big solutions like policy solutions to down to small acts that we all can do while we're traveling. And, you know, I think that sometimes we have to kind of sift through the the information to see, you know, how can I as an individual make an impact in my daily life and how can I, you know, take action to influence the government and, and the folks that are, you know, corporate America or um, doing creating things. Um, and so sometimes things get into the media. And for example, um, there was recently a viral image of, a, you know, a plastic straw um, that with a turtle and it was so sad and it was horrible. And we definitely, we definitely need to use less plastic. I mean, that is, that is number one. I mean, we do, you know, but also number one is that we need to use less paper. And so we don't want to just like, for example, I remember, you know, when, um, you know, I was becoming a vegetarian early on in my life and I was switching from drinking milk to looking at alternatives like coconut milk and almond milk and, you know, these different things. I I just think that, you know, if everybody's doing the same thing, it can be a kind of monoculture. It can kind of be something that overdoes it, right? So like palm oil is, is an example of this. We are tearing down forests in Indonesia and places around the world because, you know, we're, we're creating this palm oil. And, you know, we don't want every single candy bar and every single, you know, cracker and cookie in the United States and around the world to have palm oil in it because it's devastating for those communities um, where they're losing their forests. And paper is that same way where, you know, you think about how much paper we use from toilet paper to paper towels to paper cups to paper that we use in office settings and paper at home. And I mean, we don't want to just shift all plastic straws over to paper straws. And then we have a million paper straws and we're cutting down forests for that. So we just I think we need to think about we are super smart. We're humans. We're innovative. We're, you know, amazing individuals. And, and that's what I wanted to show in the Voices of Hope for Forest series is how different people around the world in Mozambique and in, you know, Paraguay, in Canada, in England and, you know, all these places in, in 15 countries around the world are working together in innovative ways to create local solutions for global impact. And the global impact is what affects all of us. And and this is where these implications are for us who are, you know, living our dreams of being able to travel, to step out of our comfort zone, to be able to, uh, you know, be in a different environment, learn about different cultures. But really, the change has to start with ourselves, with each yeah. individual person, even as Beth was saying, doing some small, something small, uh, to make an ep- a change. Yes, absolutely. And the voices 
of Hope for Forest series. You can see that on the Environmental Paper Network Facebook page um, and on their website. And it shows what inspires each of these individuals. And I think that that right now, we have a dire forecast. The IPCC report came out. We, we, we know that climate change is already happening. It's impacting people around the world. But we can individually do something. And that's what this series is all about. Well, Dana, we'll be back after the break. I'm excited. We're going to have Amy from Greenpeace. Douglas MacArthur once said, The soldier above all others prays for peace, for it is a soldier who must suffer and bear the deepest wounds and scars of war. Since 2006, Blue Ridge Honor Flight, a nonprofit organization, has been transporting veterans from World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War to Washington, D.C. to visit the memorials dedicated to their honor and sacrifice. On May 4th, 2019, they'll be flying again, giving those who have served our country a chance to experience the hope, healing, and welcome home they so deserve. For more information on how you can help or send a veteran to D.C., visit BlueRidgeHonorFlight.com. Your business trip shouldn't start with a road trip. Hundreds of global destinations are just one connection away, starting at Asheville Regional Airport. Fly Allegiant, American, Delta, Elite, and United. Asheville Regional Airport, your local connection to the world. Visit flyavl.com to plan your next trip. Any real estate company's success is a reflection of its attention and care provided to its clients. Appalachian Realty Associates are proven to have the best agents around. And if you're looking for a place in Asheville and Western North Carolina, they'll help you find properties as unique as you are. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars and let me see what spring is like welcome back to speaking of travel this is marilyn ball your host and today we're talking about uh looking at a future filled with healthy forests and communities and why protecting our forests is so important to this whole climate change solution because it really is a solution and it's so important that we all work together and nobody knows that better than my guest today, Dana Ruggiero with the Climate Listening Project. Dana, I'm excited. We're we're collaborating, bringing together, speaking of travel, the Climate Listening Project and guests from around the world uh, helping us learn more about how we can be part of the solution. Thank you so much, Marilyn. I'm so excited to be doing this series with you once a month in 2019. And today, it is such a great way to kick off this year of uh, podcasting with you and to have guests from NRDC, Green America, and now Amy Moas from Greenpeace. Welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for being on Speaking of Travel. I'm glad to be here. 
Yes, thank you. Amy is a one of the featured individuals that is part of the Voices of Hope for Forest series with the Environmental Paper Network, fe- featuring individuals from around the world who are working together to protect forests and communities. I had an honor to photograph Amy and and listen to her and why she's inspired, what keeps her going, and why she is hopeful for forests. Um, thank you so much for walking in the forest. With me, Amy, and I, I encourage everybody to visit Environmental Paper Network on Facebook to see her photo and her quote. Um, Amy, why, why Greenpeace? Why forests? Why are you doing the work that you do? Why is this so important right now more than ever? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that, uh, you know, any time that anyone steps foot into a forest, whether it's, you know, right outside your back door or whether you have the, you know, privilege and honor to travel to one of the great, amazing forests around the world, there's something in common. And it's just that sense of awe and wonder uh, that forests bring to you. And for me, it was, you know, seeing the destruction around the world and really wanting to stop that, wanting to um, make sure that my children, when they grow up, that they'll be able to have those awe-inspiring moments. And um, so that's why I do what I do. And Greenpeace is an incredible organization that is um, one of the most brave and independent organizations that I've ever come across. And so working for them to protect forests around the world has really been an honor and a joy. Oh, I'm so inspired by the work that you do and so grateful for the work of Greenpeace. What projects are you currently working on? Yeah, so globally, Greenpeace looks at, um, you know, forests of significance around the world and the ones that are really under threat. So, you know, you can talk about the, the Brazilian Amazon and what's happening there, um, helping indigenous communities, you know, demarcate their land and, you know, fight back against some of the anti-environmental um, policies that are now coming up with their new president. Or you can look at the Congo Basin and some of the um, projects that are, you know, rubber and palm oil projects that are really um, threatening the Congo Basin forests for the first time, uh, looking at palm oil and pulp and paper that are ravaging uh, Indonesia and places in Southeast Asia. And then um, more closer to a lot of us in North America, the, the amazing Canadian boreal forest that unfortunately, you know, still to this day has, um, you know, forest companies that are still uh, logging in intact forests and threatening, um, you know, the habitat of threatened species. And, um, yeah, so so there is a wide area um, of focus that Greenpeace has. I um, spend a lot of my time working with U.S. companies on uh, the procurement of the stuff that they buy. So making sure the pulp and paper that they buy is coming from really truly responsible sources or making sure that the palm oil that they're buying is not you know, contributing to destruction somewhere. So really looking at the supply chains here in the U.S. and helping to make sure that we are not driving that destruction. Oh, thank you so much for doing that work. You know, the Environmental Paper Network is such a wonderful collaboration. Could you talk a little bit about why collaboration, like the Environmental Paper Network, is important and why working together with communities locally and globally creates hope? 
Yeah, absolutely. So none of us could really do it alone, right? I mean, the the change that we want to see in the world really will come from people power. You know, we have to challenge systems of power um, that are, you know, in existence today, whether it's, you know, with the governments or corporations or, um, you know, really trying to make sure that we can uh, get to see the future that we want. And we can't do it alone. And so, you know, Greenpeace is one piece of that puzzle. The other organizations that um, you'll be talking to with NRC, DC and Green America, those are other pieces of the puzzle. Local communities that are standing up um, for, you know, their local issues are absolutely part of the puzzle. And everyday people like you and me can, um, you know, take action, too, to, to really be part of that. Um, and, you know, the Environmental Paper Network is an incredible uh, collaboration because it provides an um, avenue for people like me who, uh, you know, will specialize in one thing to work with other um, specialists in their areas and really expand our knowledge and doing that, expanding our power to really push for the kind of future that we want to see. Um, there's lots of examples of or organizations in the Environmental Paper Network coming together for uh, one purpose, and all of our strengths are so different that we're able to, um, you know, see change a lot faster than we would have if we, you know, had tried to do it alone. That's such a that's such a beautiful point. With the Climate Listening Project, I try to connect hopeful stories on climate and community. Why are forests an important part of the climate change conversation? I think that that actually is something that a lot of people are still learning. Um, people, you know, think of forests for, you know, just the trees or the wildlife. And, um, you know, I just got done talking about that awe-inspiring moment that you have when you're in the forest. But we're also learning a lot more about the truly global significance of forests and um, their power to store carbon. Um, and that is absolutely a huge piece of the puzzle um, as we fight for a stable uh, climate. So we're seeing that, um, you know, just in our like our backyard, the Canadian boreal forest, for example, holds more carbon per hectare per acre than any other forest in the world, even more than the tropical forests. And, and people don't realize that. People don't see that. Um, a lot of it can be down in the, the soil um, as opposed to some of, you know, the above ground biomass that we see in other parts of the world. And, you know, any time that, you know, bulldozers will go in and, and, you know, cut down these forests, we're releasing carbon. So while a lot of the organizations will talk about the orangutans or the tigers or the, the woodland caribou, um, you know, those are areas that are those are animals that will, you know, sort of pull at our heartstrings, if you will. But the bigger piece and one of the most absolutely most important parts of the story is that we're doing it for the for the climate. We have to absolutely keep carbon in the ground if we have any hope of, of you know, limiting warming to, you know, a, a level that would allow us to, to continue living in our version, you know, of, of a stable climate. So, uh, yeah, it's it's something that sometimes can be hard to see and that people are still learning. But for uh, people like me and others that are fighting for uh, forests around the world, it's a huge reason why we do it. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. I am so inspired by you, Amy, and I encourage everybody to visit the Environmental Paper Network on Facebook to connect with your photo and your quote and hear your story and to connect with your work. What can people do to take action and connect with you now? Yeah, 
absolutely. So please reach out um, to me on social media and go to greenpeace.org to learn how you can get involved um, in a whole host of different campaigns that Greenpeace works on. Um, and then I would just also encourage people to really be informed consumers. So, you know, use your pocketbook to, uh, you know, push for the kind of world you want to see. Um, you know, buy recycled products, buy FSC certified products, look for the labels and, you know, on the products you buy and push for, you know, companies to really have truly sustainable, um, you know, procurement policies. And then the last pitch is just to remember that a lot of this is about systems of power and our democracy. So absolutely stand up and make sure your voice is heard um, because that's a huge part of how we will get the future that we want. Let's make our voices heard for the places and the people that we love. Thank Thank you, Amy. Amy, thank you so much. I'm so inspired and I, as I've told Dana, I'm going out and getting my recycled toilet paper today. She's switching. Thank you. (laughs) I'm on your side. We're starting a movement. Thank you, Amy, for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Dana, here we are. We're concluding our first of uh, a year-long series. I'm so excited. I can't thank you enough. And I... I, I feel that the guests we've had today, the uh, information is so valuable uh, for us to move forward and, and take some action. Marilyn, you are an inspiration for so many, and I am so grateful to be a part of the Speaking of Travel listening project, you know, is what I like to call it. But, you know, to be doing the Speaking of Travel climate listening project series with you, I'm, I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this is Marilyn Baugh. You've been listening to Speaking of Travel. I think you know this, this is the week. We're going to go out. We're going to buy recycled toilet paper. We're going to buy recycled paper towels. Yeah, it may be a little bit more costly, but let's think about the change that we want to see in the world, especially here in Western North Carolina, where we've got the most beautiful forests of anywhere in the whole wide world. Go out, have a great week. Remember, life is short. Don't postpone joy. Joy.